Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys achieve more success. We're glad you can listen today on Legal Talk Network. Today's episode is about marketing. Um, now, marketing, as uh, we've discussed in the past, but you know, just to remind us and really focus us on what marketing does for a business, marketing is the gasoline. It is the fuel without which we go nowhere. Without the marketing, we don't really have to talk about all the other things that we talk about, so we come back to it from time to time. And our title today is Owning Your Marketing Future. My guest is Conrad Sam. Now, Conrad is the president of Mockingbird Marketing. Now, Mockingbird Marketing is a full-service marketing agency focused solely on the legal industry. And today, we're going to talk about how law firm owners should be thinking about their marketing, including their websites, mistakes to avoid, and how to own their marketing future. I am your host, Christopher Anderson. I am an attorney with a singular passion for helping other lawyers achieve success with their law firm businesses as they define success. In the unbillable hour each month, we explore an area important to help you grow your revenues, get back more of your time, and or get more professional satisfaction from your business. The unbillable hour is dedicated to helping lawyers achieve freedom through their businesses, and our guests help you learn more about how you make your law firm business work for you instead of the other way around. Before we get started, I do want to say a thank you to our sponsors. Answer one, Solo Practice University, Scorpion, and Law Clerk. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or online at www.answerone.com. And that, again, is www, then the little dot, then the word answer, followed by the number one, dot com. Solo Practice University is a great resource for solos no matter how long you've been practicing. Make sure you check out solopracticeuniversity.com and learn how to run your practice better. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Law Clerk where attorneys hire freelance lawyers. There are no sign-up or monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Increase your profits, not your overhead. Learn more at www.lawclerk.legal. And again, today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is Owning Your Marketing Future. And my guest is Conrad Sam, the president of Mockingbird Marketing. Now, first of all, Conrad, I'd like to welcome you to the Unbillable Hour. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's fun. Yeah, not a, not a problem. We're really excited to have you. And uh, traditionally and notoriously, I am horrible at introductions. So if you don't mind, before we get started, Conrad, just let the listeners know a little bit more about you. How did you become the president of Mark- Mockingbird Marketing? Why is that a cool job for you? 
Yeah, I mean, it was really accidental. I started out, I was approached by a headhunter back in 2006 to run marketing for this thing called Avo, which wasn't a thing at the time. So that's how I got into the legal marketing world. And, and one of the early things I did at Avo, I found that both what I liked doing and what was most effective for the directory at the time was teaching lawyers about this new thing called the internet and how people were using the internet to find lawyers. And so that kind of uh, logically transitioned into me working directly with law firms. And, and I've been doing that ever since. Excellent. And so I think one of the first places to start, because obviously that conversation about, and I remember it, right? That conversation about like, it's okay to, to market on the internet. It's okay to send emails. I mean, all that is stuff that's gone under the, under the bridge. But I'm not sure all my listeners are entirely clear on the concept. I think they've all encountered them. But what is the concept of a legal directory? So we could just start there. Like, what is a legal directory? Why are they important to law firms? Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a very interesting evolution. And I'll, I'll go back to really basic stuff. Let's talk pre-internet. The yellow pages were the ultimate legal directory. And you can go even further back and you look at, you know, the big leather bound books that lawyers have in their offices that make them look very lawyerly. Those are the early, early printed based internet directories for, sorry, legal directories. And then it moved online, obviously. And what happened early on, very, very early on, 2004, five, six, seven, because most lawyers didn't have an online presence, Anyone who was looking for a lawyer specifically or starting from scratch with like, hey, I need a divorce lawyer, and those people who turned to the web instead, the only content out there were these directories. And so they were extremely, extremely effective back in the day. Right. It was one source, like the only place people could go. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about content, content, content from an SEO perspective. The volume of legal content that existed in the early 2000s was very, very low. And so it was very easy for these directories to, to have a really big place. What's happened since then is there's now way too much legal content. There's, you know, you guys are, are vomiting out blog posts ad nauseum. There's a new legal directory that crops up every single day. So you've got a mass you know, growth of the directories. And secondarily, the layout of the SERP pages, the search engine result page, has changed completely. It used to very much be up top, you would have the organic results, and then you would have the ads on the right-hand rail. It's now where the organic results, which is the only place the directories can really cost-effectively show up, is under the ads and under the map. And so the importance of the directories themselves has really, really declined with, despite the fact that more and more people are getting in line, but it's really declined with the reshuffling of what those SERP pages look like. Yeah, so I mean, what the directories were able to do was really give you better visibility um, as an individual law firm through the directory by getting better placement. But now since the ads have come in and the local has come in and the map has come in, that all the directories are able to do is get you top of the bottom, which isn't as nearly as powerful. Yeah. And interestingly, some of the best of the top of the bottom are not legal directories at all. They are things that lawyers hate, like Yelp, or things that lawyers are unaware of, like Thumbtack. And so it's not just legal directories. The legal directories are now competing with all the other directories from which they originally took all of their traffic, right? And so it's been this very, very interesting cycle. Right. And uh, so... so but so legal directories have been really powerful and important in the past, uh, less so maybe, or maybe they're at least facing a difficulty now. Um, you said that you were the CMO uh, of Avo for a while. You've been recruited in there. Avo's obviously been one of the most powerful legal directories the past few years. Um, what's been going on there? 
Well, so Auto was purchased back in February by Internet Brands, and Internet Brands owns a bunch. I don't think a lot of people know this, but they own a bunch of legal brands. Total Attorneys, Lawyers.com. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bungle the exact list, but there's uh, they own Engage, for example. There's a bunch of legal brands that Internet Brands owns, and when Auto sold, I was personally really happy, but I also thought. And, and it turns out I was incorrect. I thought what was going to happen is that they were going to take Britain, who led Avo, and was truly, whether you, whether you love or hate Avo, or even the concept of someone raiding lawyers, and most of you guys, lots of you don't love that, Britain really brought and really disrupted a very old industry. And even though there were already directories out there, the way that he used and saw the future of technology bringing access to everyday people to the legal system was very visionary. What I thought was going to happen is he would take over those six or seven brands and they could become a really, really tour de force on continued innovation doesn't seem to have happened. So he's gone. The, the entire leadership team at Avo has gone, I think. And again, whether you love or hate Avo specifically, my bias really strongly is that the use of technology for more people to have access to lawyers is a net positive. And I thought that trajectory would continue on and it hasn't. So uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what, what innovation comes out of legal, but it's not Unless I'm missing something really big here. And I don't think I've heard anything big coming out of Avo since they sold, other than the fact that I think they changed their model so they're no longer displaying your directory information unless you're paying them. So, you know, that's where it went. Yeah, and you mentioned that they own a lot of internet brands. But they've actually got a couple. You said Lawyer.com, which is one of the directories, and they have the Martindale brand as well. So they definitely have access to several some of the directories. It is a big open question as to how they're going to why acquiring those brands, what the strategic vision is behind that and how they're going to increase access. Because I'm 100% um, in agreement with you that increased access is the touchstone, like getting more people believing that they have access to the, the help they need for the problems they've got and uh, helps them and helps the legal industry. So again, indeed, that space to be watched. There's a lot of innovation that's still happening in legal. It's just not where the technical innovation started. And so there's a lot of, and you've had a lot of great podcasts and a lot of changes. And I, I really thought internet brands might be at the forefront of that. Yeah, well, and maybe, maybe they will, but that is yet to be proven. What I'd like to do now is shift our conversation, but we're going to take a break here in just a moment. And when we come back, I want to go back and talk about law firms and their control of their online presence, uh, because I think you know, as as law firms are out there, directories have become less of a one stop shop, and they're really needing to make sure they have a presence through websites and, like you said, through blogs and content and all this other stuff. How they can own that. But uh, first, we'll hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll come back and talk to you about that. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One is available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-1 or visit them at answerone.com slash podcast for a special offer. That's answer1.com slash podcast. Feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high value cases your firm deserves? 
For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours attract new cases and grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. And we're back with Conrad Sam, uh, the president of Mockingbird Marketing. And when we before we went to break, we were talking about legal directories. Um, we're going to come back now and talk about, uh, Conrad, I'd like to ask you about um, law firms and their marketing presence online, particularly, and the issue of ownership. What can a law firm do to ensure that they have control of their online presence and, you know, I think, comma, aren't held hostage by someone else? Yeah. This, so when we were putting this title together and, and, and you suggested owning your marketing future, I was like, yes, you get it. You understand. This for me has been really, really fascinating. This has been a long evolving issue in legal. And there's really two elements to this. One is, do you actually own not just your website and your domain, which, which by the way, a lot of, a lot of big firms are not doing that the right way where you're kind of locked in with someone and you don't actually own the content or you don't own the domain of your website. So those are major problematic issues. And then the second thing is, what are you sharing that you shouldn't be sharing? And that's something that I think people really are, are absolutely not thinking about at all. So I'm gonna cover two of those. On the ownership side, you've gotta own your domain. You've got to own, and if you don't know if you own your domain, assume that you don't and find someone who can tell you that you do or don't, but that's super important. Make sure it's registered to you. You need to own the content on your website. You need to own your website, and you need to own all of the primary pieces of information about your website, and that is admin-level ownership of Google Analytics, Google Search Console, your domain, your content, and your website backend. Because if you don't have the ownership of those things, it's not really your site. And you're really just renting it, which is problematic. So this is something I've been preaching. And like, like Fine Law was notorious for doing this. They would, they would build, a, build a website for you and they would register to themselves, right? And, and that's been going on for a long time. Most people who are somewhat aware know about those types of shenanigans. Um, but it extends to things like data. And if you don't have ownership, admin level ownership of your Google Analytics, you're flying blind. And you have to trust your agencies reporting to tell you how good your agency is doing, which is really putting the fox in the hen house. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I had a client of ours uh, call me recently upset with uh, one of the one of the larger uh, website development companies out there. And, you know, he thought he was cool because he, he owned his domain and he technically owned the content. But when he decided to leave them, they shipped up the content, put it into a, uh, a SQL database and sent it to him. And he's like, I don't even know what to do with this. I, so the back end was useless. I mean, he lost so much. What questions should people be asking to make sure they've got ownership? So on the ownership thing, you, you should, and I'm going to extend this to include Google Ads as well. You should have admin level access to all of those pieces. And that means that you can add users and kick users out, which means you can kick your agency out. We take it a little weirdly uh, in Mockingbird, we're like, we actually kick ourselves out. So we'll set you up, we'll set you up as the admin, and then we kick ourselves out because I don't want to have that ownership problem. And so 
you need that admin level of ownership. But the second thing, and this is much more nuanced, it's much more nefarious, and it's much more problematic for lawyers, and you guys just don't think about it. I was listening to uh, one of your podcasts recently. Uh, I think her name was Sarah Schaff. She was the CEO of Headnote. And, and you guys started talking about data breaches, right? And lawyers are all freaked out about data and privacy, and they care about all this stuff. And yet when it comes to the, and and they're all freaked out about marketing and sales, right? So these are two very, very important things for lawyers. But when it comes to the data about their marketing and sales, they give it away all the time. And so I would be very, very proprietary about your data, your marketing data, your Google Analytics data. And I would not want my agency or, or anyone working on my account to also be servicing everyone else in the industry, everyone else across the street from me, because th- they have access to your data. And essentially, these, these huge brands, these huge conglomerates that are, you know, have multiple masters within the same market, they're there to make money. And the best way they can make money is figure out where are the most profitable things that we could be doing from a marketing channel perspective, and how can I squeeze as much of that profit into my company instead of our clients? So I would be viciously proprietary about who has access to your data, and I would never want someone who's working with a guy across the street having access to that information. So I mean, I mean, by your data, you're specifically talking about your Google Analytics data, your performance data of the of the Google Ads, of of your website's SEO, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So think about this. Let's say, and we we definitely have these cases where you come up with this brilliant little marketing niche or this brilliant tactic or this this you know one thing that works, and you're really smart. So you're tracking it in Google Analytics. So you're tracking the conversions in GA. And you know how many form fills are being generated with this little marketing tactic or how many, how many uh, phone calls are being generated. As soon as your agency has access to your Google Analytics data, and by the way, it's your Google Analytics data, it's not theirs, they can replicate that tactic for the guy across the street. And then they raise their prices on you because they know that <laughs> you, right? It's just super nefarious. And if you have any illusions that there are data scientists in these big firms that aren't doing that, you're naive. So it's, it's this another layer of privacy and protection that I would be absolutely paranoid about. Cool. So keep, keep your Google Analytics data close. And as far as like pay-per-click and, and ad performance, just be careful of who, you're, who else the vendor you choose is working with. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then actually protect yourself, I guess, contractually. It says, and not only am I going to be aware of who you're working with, but you can't work with somebody in my practice area within such a distance from me as part of our contract. Yeah. And by the way, my my whole comment here is going to sound super self-serving, right? Because I believe, so I have a small boutique. I'm kind of leading you to the water that I want you to drink, but like the water is really good to drink here. There's that you should be paranoid about who your agency is working with. You should demand exclusivity and therefore you should, in my very, very biased and self-serving opinion, you should only ever work with a boutique who will provide you with both. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot that makes sense about that. And if anybody, you know, has been burned by one of the bigger companies, um, as some people, um, some of my listeners, I'm sure have, they've lived this. So, and for those who haven't, I think it's good caution. While we're on the topic of ownership, one of the things that I think has come up as far as I'm concerned is that even in the example I just told you where the uh, law firm owner got back his website but couldn't do anything with it. 
I wanted to talk to you about the difference between WordPress and I guess not WordPress, but you know, a lot of a lot of vendors have their own proprietary software that they build the, the websites in. Is having a WordPress site important as part of this ownership perspective? So on the ownership side, the, the beauty of WordPress, and this word this cuts both ways for me as an agency owner, but the beauty of WordPress means that because it is so there are so many practitioners of WordPress, so many developers. It's so easy to use. There's so many places. You, any major city, you can find you know, a thousand people who know WordPress. And that puts the control in the law firm's hands because you can fire your agency. You can have someone work on something. You can get a plug-in for this, that, or the other thing. It puts you completely in control of your website, which is the only way it ever should be. On the flip side... If I have to go back to my vendor because I want to make this change, or if I have to go back to my vendor because I want to implement this call tracking system, or if I have to go back to my vendor to make sure that they are compressing images the right way or implementing canonical tags, like none of that works easily, and I'm reliant on that vendor. So if you're running anything, and I'm sure there are ex exceptions and people will point out that you could use Drupal or something like that, but if you're running anything other than WordPress, you're really not in control of your site. And I use this for me. The reason I like WordPress is every now and then, this may surprise you, every now and then we run into a client where like two months into the engagement, we're like, whoa, we're done here, right? Or you have a client who's not paying you. Right? So if I have a client who's not paying me, it's super easy. Like they might be on hard times, whatever it is, we can keep their site live because all they have to pay is hosting, right? And I, I don't have them over a barrel. I can fire that client, I can move them on, I can get them onto a host, it's cheap, like, and we're done. We can, it puts the control of the site is not dependent on the platform. And when you're not controlling the platform, when you are controlling the platform, you control everything. And so for me, in order to control that site, you have to be on WordPress. Yeah, great. Well, I think that's really, really important um, for you know for in this whole giant concept of ownership. If you know ownership is control and control is ownership, and uh, but I thought it was a really interesting point that you made that also as a vendor, you're able to walk away from a client more easily if you know for circumstances demand it without hurting them. Right? You put them on a on a hosting site and they're up and running, and you can deal with whatever disagreements you had, but you're not in a position where you're hurting them or they're being hurt or I think that's great. I mean, it gives, it keeps honesty in the relationship and that's kind of what all this control is about too. WordPress is like being, having a prenuptial agreement. You can break up easily <laughs> and it's okay. Right. And, and like we proactively fire clients for, it doesn't happen all the time, but we do it. And I don't want to hurt them. I want, I want it to be very easy for them to walk away from us when we want to part ways. Right. Or the other way around. And so Again, I'm going to use the divorce analogy. The more you are stuck in a bad marriage, the, the more difficult it is. You want it to be able to get out of that as, as seamlessly as possible. Well, yeah. Now that we're talking about marriage and dating and all that kind of thing, um, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think some definitions are important. Because we've used the word, you've used the word agency. I've repeated it a few times. But I got to tell you, I mean, even a, it's not a word that I was familiar with until recently. And I know that lawyers, you know, if they go to you know, the lawyeronomics show that doesn't seem to be happening this year, if they go to ABA Tech Show, if they go to Legal Tech, if they go to one of their bar events, they are inundated with marketing vendors, um, with people who are doing websites, with people who are doing SEO, with people who are doing video, with people who are doing chat, with people who are doing all sorts of things. 
And I don't think it's really clear to them when they're talking to an agency versus a vendor. Can you help clarify that? Yeah, so for me, and this is, to be honest, somewhat philosophical, but I think it's a very important philosophical point that has very, very pragmatic undertones. To me, a vendor does a thing. And I'll use the overworn analogy, when you're a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail, right? If I sell websites, I think you need websites. If I sell chat, I think you need chat. If I sell PPC, you should be upping your advertising spend, right? So like, and a lot of them are very good at those individual things. To me, an agency may do those things. They may do parts of those things. They may do all of those things. But ultimately, they are a business partner who is looking out for not just trying to sell you more websites if you want websites or blogs, but they're really trying to figure out. And by the way, the lawyers are somewhere between, in general, terrible and very bad at this. How am I looking at my marketing as a business? right? And so if you do have that vendor who's pushing chat, you have to ask yourself, does this make business sense? And an agency should, a good agency does make the leap from here's a bunch of stuff that we do that we do very, very well to here's a bunch of stuff that works really, really well for you, right? And not every law firm should be doing chat. Not every law firm needs another 25 websites. And so it's the difference between here's what we do, and we do it really, really well, with here's what you need, here's how we are monitoring that it's actually being effective, and here's how we're strategically laying out what the tactical plan for the next three, six, nine months is. That's fundamentally a business consulting role as opposed to like a technical coding design advertising role. And it's a mind shift change that is, it's getting better in legal, but it is, it is in most part missing. Yeah. So, so the agent, I mean, agent puts it all together, but also make, I think the best words that you used in that explanation were that they serve as a business partner, that they understand your business goals and that they try to get you the best ROI for your investment in your marketing. Exactly. And, and the interesting thing is if you look at, where, so for me, where, where the real evolution and I need a better term, hotness of the market, they're the big business consulting firms that are getting involved in the business of running a law firm, right? That is a complete separate shift. So you've got these big old established consultancies that when I got out of grad, uh, undergraduate in the 90s, you know, all of my econ and finance buddies wanted to go work at these strategic management consultants. They're moving into legal, right? Because there's A, so much money there, and B, it's so poorly done. And so what you have is you've got these, these big business-focused firms moving into legal who don't frankly know much about A, legal, and B, technology. And then you have the tech or, or, or creative people trying to understand the business side of it. So there's this middle ground that if you can nail it, you win. And that's where the firms who have really done well and really grown well have a handle on the business implications of what they're doing technically. Yeah. So let me flip it around then. We talked about what makes an agency, what is an agency, first of all, and what kind of makes an agency work well. How can a law firm get the most out of their agency? If a law firm has made the decision, as it sounds like from this conversation, they really should to work with an agency, how do they then get the most out of that relationship? So this is caveated with it depends on the agency. But there are two really important factors here. One is be deeply involved in what they're doing. 
And I can't tell you, and Christopher, you've probably heard this over and over again. I have this marketing firm. I don't know what they're doing. And I hear this over and over and over again. And to some extent, it's the agency's fault. To some extent, it's the law firm's fault. Get involved, right? If your responsibility is to grow your firm, you need to get involved. And that doesn't mean you need to know how to code an H1 or the difference between a website or a blog or, or which directories are hot or not. Like, none of that matters. What being involved is like... on at a minimum, on a monthly basis, are we sitting down to talk about what we're doing, how it's working, and is it moving forward? We talk about content a lot, and we talk about link building a lot from an SEO perspective. If you're not involved in the content and link building, you're like, so my agency arrogantly is very, very good at everything we do. Okay. Let's just, let's even assume that that's accurate, which is probably not, but let's just assume that that's accurate. Even if I'm amazing, I am never going to do more than a B minus at content development for a specific law firm in a specific location that does with a specific positioning that does a specific thing. I'm never going to be very good at that. So the more involved you are as a client with us, the better off the results are. So be very, very involved. And that's kind of step one. Step number two, and there's two other sides to this, is be grateful when they're awesome right? This sounds so basic, but there's nothing better. And you guys, like law firms get this all the time. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate you got me out of this situation. Like you guys get the feedback and there's nothing more important from within an agency to get really, really grateful feedback from a customer. We throw these around. We've got a, on our Slack channel, we've got a, a section called humble brag and you know, everyone's posting stuff when, when a client is grateful, we're really, really public about that. And, and you have no idea how much that will have a agency eager to work on your account. So it's, it's a human thing, but it's important. The flip side is, and this is, this represents five to 10% of the law firms out there. If you have the profile of what we call the alpha jerk. If you've gotten by life and you believe that your success is based on kind of bullying people around and pushing people around, well, let me rephrase this. Don't be that. Don't be that person because no one, no one likes that person. That profile can work well with that long-term relationship where the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So there are some agencies that ignore clients until they start complaining. That's a bad agency. But if, if you find yourself struggling with an agency, maybe you just need to squeak a little more as well. Yeah. Yeah. But more motivation with thank yous than with, uh, with complaints. Yeah. Be a great person. Good advice. Yeah. So we're talking with Conrad Sam. He's the president of Mockingbird Marketing. We've been talking about legal directories, first of all, and, uh, and, and then we talked about ownership of your marketing and ownership of your website. And then the last thing we've been talking about is how to work well with an agency. Uh, we're going to take a break here uh, with hear a word from our sponsors. When we come back, Conrad, I want to ask you um, in our closing segment here um, about mistakes you're seeing. Um, so you know, we've, I think, set up some really great tools, but I want to talk about uh, some of the most common mistakes you're seeing in marketing uh, and uh, and or post-marketing uh, with law firms when we're back. Sounds great. Ready to create and build your own solo or small farm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There's only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals, Solo Practice University. The only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than a thousand classes, 58 faculty and mentors. What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today. 
Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a first year to perform legal research or a seasoned attorney to assist with a complicated appellate brief, Law Clerk has hundreds of freelance lawyers with every level of experience and expertise. There are no sign-up or monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Increase your profits, not your overhead. Learn more at www.lawclerk.legal. And we're back with the unbillable hour. And my guest is Conrad Sam, the president of Mockingbird Marketing. And we've been talking about all sorts of great things about how law firms should have their relationship with their agency and about uh, how they should be thinking about uh, legal directories and their ownership of their website. So, but I wanted to like end this, Conrad, if I, if I can, with some cautionary words, uh, just ways for law firms and law firm owners to really start thinking about their marketing. I love some of what you've said, for instance, about being involved. I don't have it in front of me. Seth Godin recently wrote, wrote a piece, but basically the upshot of it was, you know, you can't outsource CMO. Um, your agency can get a lot done for you, but you can't just say, go do my marketing and report back. Because like, like you said, even if you do everything extraordinarily well, the best you're going to do is a B minus. And that's not what most law firms should be looking for. But so other than abdicating the role, what's the most common mistake you see in marketing uh, with law firms? Yeah, I think the biggest deal marketing for law firms. So I'm going to give you two tactical things. One is the intake is awful, right? I talk to, and you, you probably get this too. I talk to more legal front desks than almost anyone in their life ever should. And we've been talking about marketing. This is the tail end of marketing, but the intake is awful. And it can be as dumb as this. We just saw that. We see this all the time. You're advertising when you're closed, right? So don't advertise when you're not closed, when you're not open. Don't, don't try and get those phone calls when you're not available to take the call. So the intake can be terrible. And that whole experience leaves a lot to be desired. So what, what I recommend for law firms is go to Nordstrom go buy a pair of shoes, right? Go buy a pair of shoes and then go mystery call your firm on a Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Now compare that experience. Now at Nordstrom, you're looking at a $200 pair of shoes. I don't know. I, I'm not a shoe person, but compare the value of the sale at Nordstrom's with the value of the sale at your law firm and then have a, oh my gosh moment. I would really, really implement, this is basic. I would make sure if it's legal where you are, that your front desk is recorded. And I would review those calls on a regular basis. And even if you don't even do the second step, having your front desk know that they're being recorded is going to improve performance by 10%. But mystery shop yourself on a regular basis and record. I think that's great advice. I mean, just before, before I let you go on that first one, I mean, I just think, you know, it's, it's what I hear, like I 100% agree with you. Like intake is the biggest weakness. And then they turn to you guys. They turn to their, their marketing agencies or their marketing vendors. And they say, more leads. I need, you're not getting me enough leads. And you're like, you're pouring, I'm bringing you buckets and you're pouring them out before you bring them in. So the reason I focus on this intake, we have this client, this is a true story. This is in April. Okay. So with this client, I fly out, we're up in this big conference room. I've got 25 lawyers. They start the conference call, the, the conference off with, I'm there for a day. They start off with this guy. His name is Jason. I still remember this moment where he says, thanks for coming out to Michigan. Can you tell us why we shouldn't fire you? I was like, 
okay, this is going to be a bumpy day. And so we ended up the end of that agreement. So I, and I know we're driving a ton of business to these guys because we've got all the tracking and it's all accurate. And we, we walked through this and they keep saying, we don't care. We think this is all garbage. So, all right, fine. So we, we talked them into letting us do a three-month study of their intakes. So we record stuff for three months. I hire some poor intern who's going to spend the entire summer listening to three months of inbound calls to law firms, cataloging them, identifying where the problems are, how they're being responded. So we do this whole setup. This whole study takes you know days to set this thing up. And she goes off to a cubicle somewhere, and I expect to hear from her you know, in, in August. She walks back like 30 minutes later, and she's like, Connor, you've got to hear this. What are you talking about? She's like, you've got to hear this. So I go back and she's like, this is the very first call that I listened to. And it was a woman who had called four times to the law firm during business hours, was struggling with their phone tree, finally got to a voicemail. And the voicemail says, hi, you've reached the firm. Sorry, we're closed until January 3rd for the Christmas holidays. We'll get back to you on the 4th. This is in April, right? And so... After that, we did this study for the American Bar Association on intake for law firms. And here's, a, here's an interesting piece of data. Uh, actually, this has been brought up on your show earlier. It's a study that I did. I think you had the guys from uh, Lexicata on, and they referenced this study. Three days on average for people to get back to a law firm, to a prospect. Three days. Okay? So that's, that's data point number one. Data point number two, when I'm calling into a law firm, I want to talk to a lawyer. Less than 9% of people talk to a lawyer when they want. And by the way, those lawyers who think that they're above this and that, that their, their job at their front desk is to be the gatekeeper to their time, get over yourselves, right? Especially if you're in a small firm. Get on the phone, talk to the prospects because that's what they want. Yeah, I think the best... I love the listening to the recorded ones. I mean, I think, and it's so funny that she's like, listen, I could do this for three months, but uh, I think I found the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah, it, it was hard to charge them a lot of money for that when it's like, here you go. Yeah. Yeah, update your voicemail or answer the phone, one or the other. Yeah, but also just paying attention to what the clients want and you know, listening to them when they say, you know, I want to talk to the lawyer, I want to do this, you know, just paying attention and giving them, I think the word you used most important was from Nordstrom's, you said the experience, right? And, uh, you know, when I was when I was with LexisNexis and I was building software, you know, one of the things we focused on tremendously is, is user experience. And uh, this is, you know, customer experience or this is pre-customer experience. Like, you've really got to nail this. And like you said, I mean, these law firms are selling, you know, three, four, ten, sometimes twenty, thirty thousand dollar product, and the and Nordstrom is kicking their ass with a and, you know two hundred dollar shoe, not shoes, I'm afraid, but yeah. uh, <laughs> the five hundred dollar pair yeah. of shoes. Yeah. So the inbound, and and by the way, here's the other thing: don't assume just because you're outsourcing your intake, right, that it's being done very, very well. And I would monitor, if you, especially if you're outsourcing, if you have a third party who answers the phone law firm, right? Like, meh, like right off the bat, you're saying, I don't even care enough to tell you my name, who we are. Yeah. Unfortunately, actual law firms do this. <laughs> Not even the third party answering services. I know. Law firm. Law firm. Yeah. I was just doing my nails and you interrupted me. I was just thinking the same thing. You almost have that image of someone doing their nails saying law firm, right? Like, why do I have to talk to you? It's like my cousin Vinny all over again. All right. I've got so much more I want to talk to you about, but we're almost <laughs> out of time. So I'd like to end this by uh, with on an up note a little bit, but it, I want to talk about the biggest challenge 
that law firms are facing. We talked about intake, and I think it's a huge one. But what's the biggest challenge in legal marketing, and how should they think about it in a in a positive? We can overcome this kind of way. Yeah. So for me, and this. So by the way, this is not strategic. This is not like mind blowing. There's no insight here. It's just information. This is tactical. The depending on what you do and where you are, the volume of spam in the local results is mind boggling. And so what do I mean by spam in the local results? It comes in a variety of different flavors. One, you have a local law firm who's pretending to be in multiple locations when they're really only in one. Okay. Totally against Google guidelines. And the lengths to which people will go to fake these offices is pretty extreme. So that's one. Number two, you have out-of-state law firms pretending to be in-state law firms, routing it through their call center, and then, and then selling that lead back to the local in-state law firm. We dealt with, I'm dead serious, we dealt with a law firm who had a lead generation service that they were buying leads from. They contacted us about a competitor who was pretending to be in their office space. Like in their actual doors? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh my goodness. So, but, but the thing is, they were paying these guys, and they had called us to find out who the firm was that was pretending to be there and how to burn that office. And so this happens all the time. And the third thing that happens, and this is, ha- this is happening much more aggressively, and we've seen gross examples of this too, but non-law firms pretending to be law firms and then selling leads to law firms. And this is another example of where, as an agency, like we don't have the on-the-boots local knowledge of what's going on and what the geographies are. And so being involved in what's showing up in local results, looking at the things that are like, hey, I don't really think these guys are on Main Street. Working with your law firm to get those offices burned out of the local results is it, right now. It, I mean, so just to date stamp this, this is March of, of 19. This is the biggest thing. And it's just, it's, it's out of control. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like the, but your advice to getting it under control is kind of the same, which is like, and it's a different, like, and I think this is a great place to end it because it's a different sense of ownership. We talked at the beginning of the show today about owning your website, owning your data in the traditional sense of owning, like not letting someone else hold you hostage with it, about owning it, you know, having proprietary interest in it. This is about ownership, like a business owner. This is about owning the problem, owning the solution, being a boss, right? Just saying, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be looking at the results. I'm going to see the anomalies and I'm going to get with my agency and say, this is not right. What can you do to help me? And then you, you, like you said, you don't have boots on the ground, but once they tell you, you probably can help them. And that's the key. So you're hundred percent. The ownership is like, and this is, this is very much a territorial thing, right? It's literally boots on the ground. Where, how is my market? Literally my city broken up. Who's in there and who's pretending to be there? That really helps when we work with clients closely on that. But then, and then actually fixing these problems is very, very difficult, right? So working with an agency to actually get these offices, the fake offices burned, working with someone who has the clout to make that happen, working with someone who's going to go through the steps that need to make that happen. That, this is a great example of where agencies and law firms should be working really, really closely together on, on the ownership. It's the ownership and the solution, right? Yeah, fantastic. All right, when that does wrap up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Business Advisory Podcast. And our guest today has been Conrad Sam. He's the president of Mockingbird Marketing. I'll just give out, you know, the website is www.mockingbirdmarketing.com. Conrad, is there uh, any other way that folks, you know, because we, gosh, there's so much more we could talk about. If they want to know more, <laughs> yeah. how else can they get in touch with you other than uh, other than your website? 
Yeah, so I'm on Twitter, Conrad Simon on Twitter, and uh, you know I would I think the best thing for people who want to get a hold of me just run on the site. I'm happy to chat. I'm fairly easy to find because I've got a unique name, which is another SEO challenge that we haven't talked about. But uh, so you can find me fairly easily. Um, but I would encourage your listeners to just keep learning some of this stuff. Keep listening. Keep learning. The more informed you are the better off you are. And it helps. And break up those things where you don't need to get involved. But for the big business side of this, understand the business. And Christopher, that's what you're doing, right? You help people understand this from a business perspective. And and that's the whole point here. And that's what we try to do. That is fantastic advice. Thank you so much, Connor. And then just to, since you said your name is a different spelling, I'll just give it to people. It's C-O-N-R-A-D, last name S-A-A-M. And this, of course, is Christopher Anderson, and I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. for a podcast that was created for new solos? Then join me, Adriana Linares, each month on the new solo podcast. We talk to lawyers who have built their own successful practices and share their insights to help you grow yours. You can find new solo on the Legal Talk Network or anywhere you get your podcasts.